set up a slip and slide in the dining room and spend a day trying to figure out what exactly a parsnip is. It's episode 55 of Welcome to the Hit Show. Today's guests include a real-life dinosaur who missed the announcement about extinction, Oakland A's beat writer Alex Coffey, and... Bears, black bears, brown bears, grizzly bears, polar bears, sloth bears, you name it, we got it. Panda bears, sun bears, gummy bears, the three bears, bear legs, bear arms, pew pew, Barry Manilow, barely alive, bear down, we've got bears, bears, bears. Welcome to the hit show. So many bears, all the bears, and I don't know what a parsnip is. And you know what I don't else either. about a parsnip? I uh, really don't I care. Guess I could Google it. Uh, I don't know. And uh, the bears are canceled. Just got a text. The bears have all canceled. The bears are done. Emily, I'm sorry. Okay, bears are gone. No. We don't care about parsnips. The whole thing about bears, and they're all canceled. No. So here we are, with still no baseball. Yeah. Um, but it does appear things are moving in a positive direction. Um, as far as states opening, giving the green light to professional sports to resume, um, play without fans in the stands. So those are positive signs. Um, but the thing about, I guess with baseball is that I feel like we haven't heard from other sports and correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I just pay more attention to baseball is it, there doesn't seem to be this, um, divide between players and ownership are they just better at hiding it or are is this just a completely unique circumstance with baseball uh i yeah probably similar to you i have not paid a whole lot of attention to other sports but yeah i mean this is the only one that i think that i have heard that there's just such um such a back and forth and i mean that's nothing new with baseball and labor that's been going on for a hundred years um but you know, we're approaching a new CBA that players already took this pay cut, agreed to it early in March. And now the owners are saying that it needs to be a, a new and different pay cut. Um, you know, the, the story that we get, and, and I understand this, this mindset is that, listen, yes, the owners make more money than the players, but that's because the owners are the ones taking all the risk. They, the risk is not to the players. And so therefore that's why the owners keep this money. Well, they're trying to flip that script. They are, they're giving the players or offering the players now less money. And then all of the risk really, when the risk comes to, comes to call. And this is one of the things that you risk running a business is that there's going to be an act of God. Well, that came and rather than absorb that risk. And I, and I understand maybe they don't, I don't know how big that absorption would be. Maybe they don't have the means to absorb that risk, but to then turn and pass it on to the players and say, okay, well now that risk falls down to you. It, it was actually your risk after all. Uh, and we're going to ask you to take less money. And by the way, speaking of risk, it's not just financial. Uh, we're going to be at home watching the games on TV and you are going to be out there putting your bodies and possibly your lives at risk. Um, but you know, We'll, we'll pay you less for the risk. And, and I understand that this sounds like a very, um, one-sided opinion on my part. I haven't heard anything from ownership to make me believe anything that beyond this. Now, 
I'm sure that there is an angle and, and Hey, maybe we can, I mean, shoot, I'd love to get one of the owners on the, on the podcast and hear their side of it. I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah, it, it doesn't seem like they're being super fair right now. No, it doesn't. And I think too, it's like when times are really good, do they, do they pass that along to the players Exactly. Or, or to, to, or to the, you know, the other people who work in the, in the, you know, in the, in the organization, whether they be, you know, ticket sales people or whatever, do they get, do they get a, you know, big bonus when, you know, the, the franchise values up 200% since you bought it or whatever it is. Right. I mean, you know, it just doesn't, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it does. It seems, it seems one-sided and that's because the players we know about one side because the players exactly. have made their grievances known publicly. So a, a select few have. The only the other thing that's dri- that drives me crazy is when former players, <laughs> Alex Rodriguez, yeah. try to tell the current Mark Teixeira, like trying to tell these guys, I mean, come on, guys, it's for the good of it. I mean, as they count their millions in the bank and this affects them none, right. trying to tell these guys to suck it up and do what's right or whatever when they're, yeah. I mean, and I get it. You've got to have a hot take for the network you work for or whatever. But I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a dicey road to go down, you know, to be like, you know, we, we got to do what's right for the game, man. It's like, come on guys. How weird is it that their hot spicy take is like, all right, guys, everybody get along. It's going to be fine. Let's just do this and kind of make it work like that. That is right. what it equates to a hot spicy take right now in the middle of this, which is just so bizarre to me. But also like, I get it. It's desperate times. And when, when you ignore that and pretend that it's just business as usual and like, Hey guys, let's all just get along here. And like, no, everything is up in the air. Everything is wild. And, and someone is trying to take advantage of that. And again, I want to allow for the possibility that maybe ownership is in real hot water right now financially. There, you know, oil, I know some of the guys have oil money. Oil is way, way down because nobody's driving their cars and gas prices are down. I totally understand that that is a possibility that the owners are legitimately in hot water. But like you said, like they, when, when things are going well, when the value of the franchise is up 200%, that didn't get passed along. So it is, you can't talk about, well, we absorb the risk. You cannot let that be your banner statement for why you keep the money and keep the profit when it is so profitable. You cannot then take that banner down the minute that that risk comes to call. And that's, it's just, it, in my mind, with the allowance that I could be way off and I know that I don't know the inner workings of Major League Baseball or what it means to own a team, in my mind, that's completely unconscionable. And I I don't see – and so for A-Rod and, and for people like that to go, all right, everybody just get along. It's fine. Just let them take advantage of you. So for the better of the game – no. No, I, I don't think that should be what happens. And I want there to be baseball. There needs to be baseball. Uh, my my livelihood depends on baseball and the livelihood of probably hundreds of thousands of people depends on baseball. But let's do it right. Let's Let's – find a way to make it happen. And if they are going to take that hit this year, if they are going to take the the financial wash this year, okay, well then Major League Baseball, when things get back to good, you make it up to those players, whether it's whether it's delaying the salaries, uh, whether it's, you know, hey, we your salary was going to be ten million dollars this year. It's already with an eighty two game thing going to be cut to five million. 
And now we're going to give you a revenue share. And hey, maybe you're only going to make 1.2 million this year. Well, you know what? Then that other 8 point, what, 8.8 million gets paid out with interest over the course of the next 20 years. However, you have to do it, make it fair, make it right. And don't try to take advantage of labor just because there's a pandemic. It's, I, I don't get it. Me either. I don't get any of it, to be honest with you. This is, this is the first time I've gotten fired up on this podcast. It's usually you. And now I'm over yes, here like, usually is. I'm making hand motions. I'm like, yeah, doing, I wish, yeah. I wish there was a little more disclosure, you know, as far as like financials and all that kind of stuff. But I know that's probably not going to be the case. So it's, there's no sense in beating my head against a right. brick wall. So you can't, you know, a lot of things is, of course, you know, what, what a couple of the guys have come out, I feel like have been a bad look, you know? I don't doubt for a minute that that's the way a lot of these guys feel and nor do I blame them for it. But in, in this kind of situation, you kind of have to pick and choose your battles publicly. Um, and so I just feel like that, that, that's, that's definitely not a good look on the player side, but I also see what, where they're coming from in that regard. Yeah. I don't think Blake Snell was wrong. I just don't think he should have said it on the Twitch stream. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Because if you are going to say something publicly, you need, it's a delicate situation. Fans don't know the names of the owners, most of them. A casual fan doesn't know who the owner, I, I don't know who the owner of the Rays is. And, but I know the name Blake Snell. And so when he's the one, like, if all you're hearing is from the players and they are not wildly eloquent about why this is such a problem, if all you hear is like, nah, if I don't get paid, I'm not doing it, that Mm -hmm. doesn't, that's a bad look and people don't understand all the factors. You look at the varying reactions to Sean Doolittle and yeah. the arguments he presented and the manner he, he presented them in, and then look at the way people reacted to Blake Snell. And it's just, yeah. And, and that's a double standard, in my opinion. The, the message is still the same. He right. just said it in a different way on a right. Twitch stream. Yes, I agree. Well, let's, uh, let's get to our guests today. We have A's beat writer, Alex Coffey. This is her first year on the beat and she has written some, actually some really phenomenal stories in the last couple of months, uh, while we've all been quarantined. So let's, uh, let's get to it. Alex, this is your first year on the beat covering the A's and, uh, man, you picked, you picked quite a year to start this job, huh? I know that was by design. No, I'm kidding. There's no <laughs> way I could have, I, there's no way I could have predicted that this stuff would happen. Um, yeah, it, it's, um, I was joking with one of my editors the other day that, um, I started in early November, I believe one week after Mike Fires, um, put his name on the sign stealing story, uh, the Astros sign stealing story. So from then on, I was on the Fires Astros sign stealing beat. And then with all the coronavirus stuff, it's now like I'm on the coronavirus beat and it doesn't feel like I've actually had much time to, um, you know, I can I can fit in some time to dedicate to the ro- you know analyzing the roster and stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, it feels like my uh, what I've been writing about is has had uh, is mostly to do with off field topics. So it's kind of kind of ironic. What it, what has your communication been like with uh, players, guys who you know are you know as everyone continues to weigh these proposals and all that kind of stuff. Have you had any correspondence with, you know, guys as far as where they're leaning, what they're thinking, where their concerns are? Yeah, I think, um, it kind of depends honestly on like where they are in life. I, um, I've talked to a lot of guys who have families, some of them young families, and obviously, you know, those guys have a different level of concern. You know, they're worried about, um, the safety and well-being of their wives of their kids some of them their wives are pregnant expecting their first child you know it's um there's so many more uh 
impacts, you know, so many, like, it's not just like the players that are impacted, you know, there's so many, uh, there's so many other factors to weigh, uh, than just like strictly playing a game. Um, that's become pretty like abundantly clear to me in talking to them. Um, but yeah, it's kind of uh case by case, you know, everyone I talk to is kind of like handling it a little bit differently. Everyone's finding different ways, you know, to stay in shape, to train, to like, stay sane, different coping mechanisms. So uh so I haven't really found much like consistency in talking to different players. It's more, you know, everyone going about it in their own way. So Alex, you uh you're you're being a little bit self deprecating talking about being on just the the um coronavirus beat because <laughs> I so for those that for anybody listening that is maybe not familiar with Alex, she she just joined us this year. Um and I have, I'm, I, I probably am going to embarrass you a little bit. I have okay. thoroughly enjoyed reading a lot of, I mean, just here's, here's a, a, a quick rundown of some things we've got from the last few weeks. Uh, what if Jeremy Giambi had slid into home in the 2001 ALDS? That was the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the play from, from Jeter. Uh, there is remembering Charlie O, the mule, the A's mascot inspired by <laughs> Charlie, Charles O. Finley. <laughs> There is the brilliance and backstory of the the Twitter account Old Hoss Radborn, who this has been a, a mystery for decades. Well, maybe not decades, but <laughs> a very, very long time. When in baseball Twitter, everyone thought it was Keith Law. Nobody really knows who's running this account. Well, Alex got to the bottom of it. And then my favorite one, you, you got Sandy Koufax. Yeah. Sandy Koufax talking about Dave Stewart, like teaching him this, this stare. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we – can we just dive into that a minute? How did you get Sandy Koufax? I mean, the, the, here I am in my third or fourth year going, well, you know, I'm still needing to work on getting my sources built up a little bit. <laughs> here you are, year one. You're like, you know what? I'm going to get Sandy Koufax. <laughs> um, so Dave, I, I was talking to him during spring trading, and uh, it was probably like a 30-minute interview about some of the younger A's pitchers. And, of course, in the last two minutes, you know, he nonchalantly uh, – throws in the fact that he learned, you know, the power and importance of intimidation from Sandy Koufax and doesn't care to elaborate. So it's just like always in the back of my head, you know, and then spring training gets canceled, you know, and I still kind of have this idea, but um, everyone I talked to, and I, I'd already known this for the most part, just says that Sandy's a really private guy, that he's kind of reclusive, that he's not going to talk. Um but I figured, you know, there's no harm in just asking him. And it always seemed to me like he just didn't really want to talk about himself. He, you know, um, it seemed like most of the, most of the people that I know that had reached out to him were, you know, maybe writing a book about him or a long form piece about his career. And he just wasn't really interested in talking about that. So I figured, you know, if I'm presenting this, you know, uh, presenting it this way, like I would like to talk to you about Dave Stewart and your, relationship and how he impacted your career and maybe some parallels between both of your careers early on and how you guys found success. Um, I think that that was just more, uh, more appealing to him than just talking strictly about himself. Um, and it obviously speaks to their relationship too. So I basically just went through some, um, a former Dodgers PR guy, Steve Brenner and, um, and even he was like, yeah, Sandy's not doing media these days. But then he texted me, uh, about a, a couple days later and he was like, it's your lucky day. And then he, uh, then Sandy called, uh, like 15 minutes later. So it was pretty, it happened pretty quickly. It was pretty surreal. Um, 
but yeah, it wasn't some crazy, uh, magic, you know, formula or anything like that. It was just, uh, the power of asking. I learned a valuable journalistic lesson that day. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, that still sounds like crazy magic to me, but yeah. <laughs> so what have been the challenges for you? Like with the first year covering a new team and having walked into this situation to come up with content ideas, um, you know, to keep things fresh. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been, obviously I thought that there were going to be, you know, more spring training games to write about, you know, regular season games to write about, um, games at all to write about, you know, games at all, (laughs) things to analyze, you know, (laughs) people to talk, you know, but, uh, it's been, it's definitely been a challenge, but, and maybe I'm just naive in saying this, but it's actually been a really, I I think it's like a good, it's been like, like an enjoyable challenge. You know, I have definitely had to find some workarounds and get creative, but that's kind of how my, my brain works anyway. And I've always kind of, you know, no matter what I'm writing about, I always like to write about at the core. I really like to write about people and their experiences and, you know, whether that's, um, Jesus Lazardo like striking out nine and saying that he wasn't happy with his performance in a spring training outing, or if it's, you know, Steven Piscotti playing music and posting it on social media and trying to like invite more fans to do the same or, you know, like I, I feel like when you write about people and what they're experiencing, even if there aren't um, games going on, you can still find ways to, you can still come up with ideas and find things to write about. So that's kind of uh, been my mindset. And it's, I mean, it's definitely a challenge. Like obviously a lot of my ideas came from being in the clubhouse and like picking up on nuance and who's interacting with who. And, you know, uh, this guy has like a, like one of the guys had like a coloring book in his locker. So like I wrote a story about, that about how he loves art and like you know you just see these things and you kind of uh you know you it kind of like gives you an idea and then so it like not having that um has been really challenging but but um my philosophy hasn't really changed so I've just been trying to like you know think about it from that way from that perspective and um and so far knock on wood it hasn't been um I haven't really like you know had too much trouble um but it would be nice if games came back soon. So <laughs> I want to get a little bit of a, uh, so for the listeners that are sort of trying to remember where we stood when things shut down, let's, let's talk a little bit about the A's roster because they were, I think, better than maybe people expected last year. They've got a good young core of players. Um, can you sort of give us a, a quick, Recap of their, of their offseason, the moves that they made, what their hopes are, what are, what are, what are the A's expecting to do once baseball resumes, um, presuming that baseball actually does resume this year? Yeah, honestly, they, well, as far as like offseason moves, they really didn't do much. Um, they acquired Austin Allen. This feels like centuries ago. They acquired, no, right? um, Austin Allen, who, um, is a catcher, who's a catcher in the Padres organization. Um, uh, Catcher is like catcher and second base are basically like the two position battles, quote, quote, unquote, um, that were going on during spring training. Um, and it wasn't even like the starting catcher position that's pretty much set for them. Um, it was just like, who's going to take the backup catcher spot? Is it going to be Jonah Heim, who's more of a, um, defense first, you know, defensively capable catcher? Or is it going to be Austin Allen, who's more of a, 
he has more power than Heim does. Uh, so those two were kind of battling it out. And then at second base, we had like five candidates. It was kind of absurd. Um, and, <laughs> uh, it was basically all these guys fighting for, uh, you know, it was pretty like obvious that they were thinking of platooning, platooning, uh, right handed bat and a left handed bat at, um, at second base. So just guys fighting for like one half of that platoon basically. Um, so that was kind of what was going on during spring training and uh, yeah, not many moves in the off season, but, but they had been building, the A's had been building towards 2020 for a long time. I mean, it was kind of the perfect combination of, uh, you know, you have Marcus Simeon in his final year before free agency. Um, you have, you know, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, like, you said this young, really young homegrown core that like grew up playing together through minor leagues. Um, you have a really strong starting rotation of like Sean Manaya, a healthy Sean Manaya. Um, they hope a healthy Sean Manaya, uh, Frankie Montas off of his PD suspension, um, who had looked, Montas had looked great in spring training. Um, um, AJ Puck and Jesus Lazardo, who were both projected to be in the starting rotation, even though they had worked out of the bullpen at the end of last season. Um, um, and, you know, they, everyone was really excited to see how they would, you know, how they would play over the course of a full season. And they're two of the A's top p- pitching prospects. Um, and then, you know, Mike Fires. Um, so, so yeah, it was, um, it was kind of like this perfect storm of like, young pitching prospects finally being able to contribute for the court over the course of a full season and, you know, the last year of Simeon and another year of the mats and like, you know, it, for, for a lot of, uh, you know, for a lot of fans, it felt like the, you know, this, like the, that 2020 was, was going to be their best shot to, uh, to contend for a world series. So, so yeah, it's definitely a bummer that, uh, <laughs> that, all this stuff has been from a baseball perspective. Obviously there's more important stuff going on, but, but yeah, they were looking forward to it for sure. So we're, we're starting to open up here in Texas, but California, it seems like is, you know, one of the, the most conservative in terms of, you know, opening things back up. So how have you heard, you know, what kind of, you know, if they start this thing back up again, what that will look like from a logistical standpoint for the A's. Yeah. Well, yesterday, uh, governor Gavin Newsom said that California could see professional sports return by the first week of June without fans. Um, that's the latest that we've heard. Um, so given that, I think, you know, if they were going to, if they were going to hold a spring training or, you know, they would probably just hold it in the Coliseum. Um, that's my guess, but we haven't heard anything. This literally just came out yesterday, so we haven't really heard anything beyond that. All right, last question from me. Um, do we have any update on the status of the potential new stadium in Oakland? <laughs> no, we don't. Um, and Steve Berman, our media reporter here in the Bay Area, and I just wrote a, a story kind of analyzing how the coronavirus would impact uh stadium plans um and we asked them for com- the a's for comment and they didn't uh did not comment so so we don't have an update but uh but it does not look super promising because you know they the whole the goal you know their timeline was basically that they wanted to um have uh a new stadium built by 2023 uh which already seemed really ambitious but now given you know 
how, like, what the state of the economy and, um, you know, especially given the state of the economy, the optics of, like, you know, prioritizing right. a stadium and, you know, when other more important things are going on, um, it just doesn't look like that timeline is going to work for them. I mean, it might, but, um, but we're not exactly optimistic about that. So, um, so we haven't heard anything concrete, but it's not, um, it's not looking great for that, for that timeline, at least. I'm ready, I'm ready for baseball, ready for baseball, yeah. ready to, uh, to talk about something other than not playing baseball. <laughs> so we appreciate Same you here. with us, Alex. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Alex. of course. Thanks guys.